So good morning, Granville Chapel. Good to see you all here this morning. And uh, welcome back if any of you have been away. And if any of you are visiting, welcome to you too. It's great to see you. Good to have you here with us. Uh, as you've already heard, we had a great time up at Stillwood last weekend. And our thanks are due to the team that organized it. So Ellen and Tom down here, uh, Peter and Benita, who I think may not be here because Emily had an operation this week, uh, appendicitis, she's doing okay. They're grateful for uh, people's prayers uh, as she recovers from that. Uh, Peter and Benita were part of that. And Lady and Jonathan, are they around somewhere? Can't see them right now. Anyway, they were the team. Thank you, guys. You did an awesome job. That was great. And uh, while, while we're on this note, a bunch of us were away, but there were many of you that were here. And I think thanks go to Neil and Lucy, and also to Octavio and Yare uh, for keeping the home fires burning, as it were. So thank you. That's, uh, that's all good. Yeah. Um, so with the retreat behind us, we now find ourselves uh, sort of heading out into the fall with a sense of purpose. And as I think many of you are aware, we have been thinking a, a lot about greater things. Uh, the passage in John 14, where Jesus promises the disciples that they would, uh, they would do these greater things after he had left them. And we have been realizing that this is not a demand for more work or greater effort, but that it is a call for greater intimacy with Jesus and greater openness to the presence and direction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and as we uh, move into that kind of space, deepening our relationship with Jesus, then we can expect to see God doing those greater things in and through us for His glory, not for our glory. So we come to today's sermon, which is really focused around our community groups. But to start with, I'd like to look at these few verses from Paul's second letter to the Thessalonian Christians. These are short verses, but they're rich and they're deep, and uh, they remind us of some really important things. It's pretty clear that Paul the Apostle loved the Christians in the church in Thessalonica. He wrote them a couple of letters. Uh, they didn't have everything straight, and he was trying to put them right on a few things. Uh, and so the letters involved uh, with, with some of his kind of corrections about their understanding. But that's okay. He wasn't worried about that. Uh, he loved them. He loved them dearly. And his affection comes through uh, in this uh, little passage that we've got here to look at today. Uh, but he says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's that sense of, brothers and sisters loved by the Lord that I want to pick up on uh, as the, the deep affection that he had for these believers. He's grateful that they have been chosen as first fruits. Well, what were first fruits? The first fruits were the start of the harvest. 
the, the first fruit that you would pick, uh, maybe from an apple tree or uh, maybe uh, from your, your field of uh, barley or whatever, uh, the, the ripest looking, the best looking stuff. And often it was the first fruits that were given to God. Uh, I think for us, the phrase, the cream of the crop, uh, might actually capture the essence of what Paul is really meaning. He's saying, look, you Thessalonian believers, you've come to know Jesus. You love him. He's called you into his kingdom. It's great. And you are a key part of what he is doing, beginning his kingdom in our world. And you've come into it. You're part of this. And he points them here to two things that are really important. First of all, that these fellow Christians had received the Spirit of God just like the early church did at Pentecost. You remember when those flames of fire fell on the gathered uh, uh, disciples in that room in Acts chapter 2? The fire signified purifying uh, or burning out the old stuff, the stuff we confessed this morning. And the Holy Spirit comes into us to make us clean and to refine us, and to sanctify us. That's what sanctification means. It, it, it means to, make, to be made clean, to be made pure. So part of what Paul can recognize in the work that God has done in the life of these Thessalonians is sending his spirit to them, just like at Pentecost, uh, to purify them and change them from the inside. In a sense, that's God's part of the deal when people become followers of Jesus. He sends his spirit, we get changed on the inside, and we're no longer the same people. So what is our part? Well, our part is this other part that he refers to here. If the work of the spirit is to purify our hearts, the human part of the rescue that Jesus is effecting for every one of us who become followers of Jesus is to believe the truth. And it's not just any truth that we're called to believe. It's the truth, actually, of the gospel itself. And the gospel is what we're called to believe. Now, at the heart of our community is this conviction that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is important and life-changing. And maybe some of you here this morning are here kind of wondering, like, well, what are, well, I'm kind of just checking this place out. Who are these people? What are they? What do they, what do they believe? And the gospel is really what we believe. So I, I thought it was worth just a moment to kind of remind us all, what's the gospel? What is this good news? Well, it's essentially the truth that God sent His Son, Jesus, to live as a man amongst us, to die for our sins on the cross, that He was resurrected on the third day, and that He has now been raised to the right hand of the Father to await the day when the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of God's Christ. Now, it's a lot of words, right? That's a lot of words. But in that reality which I've summarized for us there, is this amazing truth that God loves His world. And He loved it so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us, to die not just for us collectively, 
but for me individually, broken Andy. He sent his son Jesus for me. And in my awareness of my need of him, he invites me, son, you're out of line, often, but I love you. And Jesus came and died for you. And because Jesus came and died for you, I can forgive you. And your heart can be made clean. And you no longer have to be the old Andy because I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. And you're going to start to change. It's going to be a slow process. Many of you know that. It's a slow process, but it's what God does in us. So the gospel that we talk about here is this amazing reality that God breaks into our broken little worlds as individuals, finds us when we were lost. I love the castaway bit. I mean, that castaway image is such a lovely one for what we are. Adrift, without direction, without hope, and absolutely stuck. And Jesus is the lifeboat that comes to us and picks us up in all our mess and all our confusion and all our sunburntness uh, and in all our desperate clinging to anything that will give our lives meaning, even if it's a volleyball. That's it, right? Jesus comes to us, brings us his rescue, and invites us to become part of his new kingdom, a kingdom which includes everyone else who has met Jesus, everyone else who has admitted that they too are broken and needy and sinful and need a savior. And then we discover this mystery of mysteries, that we are part of God's family and loved by him so deeply that we can't remain the same. We can't be who we were. His love now constrains us and fills our hearts, and we are different. And now we understand from him that we have a mission, a goal, a calling in life. And the mission is to make him look big. Not just look big, but to point people to how big he really is and recognize that even that is only scratching the surface, surface of it all. So that's the, that's the gospel that Paul is excited about, that he's talking to his Thessalonian friends about. And he says, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Christians are people who've had a little inkling, a little taste of how good Jesus is and the wonder of what it means to be called into his family. So then Paul goes on to encourage his brothers and sisters to stand firm and to hold fast to the teachings that they have received from Paul and the other leaders. There are two images here. Standing firm. What is that call to for you? I think of a tree on the edge of a cliff where the wind blows in from the ocean. You've seen some of those trees, right? They're kind of knocked over, bent over almost. The constant pressure of the wind forces them into this place of kind of hunkered down, but they're rooted. They're not going anywhere. They're standing firm. They've, they've endured so many gales. So much stuff has come, on, come at them that they're just going to keep on standing. 
Standing firm. That's what Paul wants them to do. I want you to stand firm. And then the other thing he says is hold fast. We've talked about fetters this morning. But, you know, in terms of holding fast, I, I, I think of, of arms kind of locked, right? Just that tight grip where you can't kind of pull those hands apart. And I think of Jesus gripping me and me holding him, but his grip is stronger. And even if I let go, he's not going to let go. But Paul says, I want you to stand firm and to hold fast. These are lovely images of what it means to carry on in the faith. Because it's one thing to become followers of Jesus. It's another thing to go on being followers of Jesus. We have to find ways to keep encouraging each other with the good news that we are part of Jesus' family. The obvious question for us at this point then is, if we want to stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we have received, how then are we going to do it? Enter community groups. Well, not quite. We'll get there. First of all, Christians know that they have to gather. It's kind of wired into our essential chemistry. Christianity is not a solo experience. I mean, we can meet Jesus on our own, solo, that's for sure. But we find there's this kind of instinct within us that says, there must be others. Who else is out there? And that instinct is what draws us together like this on a Sunday morning. Now, I'm really, really aware that Vancouver's culture is busy, busy, busy. And it's September. So we know that September is kind of busy to the nth times X or something like that. Mathematicians have better formulae than that. But, but like super busy September, right? So, so here I am talking about gathering. And what I'm not saying is... We've just got to have more meetings. That's not it. Please hear, that's not it. But we do recognize that coming together on a Sunday morning as a community is important for all of us. It's an opportunity to worship. It's an opportunity, opportunity to be reminded that we are not alone. We can come together, we look around and go, wow, all these people love Jesus too. And when we gather in this place and the Spirit is present with us and Jesus is lifted up and we're taught from the Word, we are encouraged at a deep level to keep on going. And when you miss Sunday morning, you are missed and we miss something because you're not here. So we think that it makes sense to come and gather like this and worship together. It's an opportunity that we want to take. So, the big gathering. But the big gathering has its drawbacks. There's a lot of people here. Some of you are newer to this community and you're going, there are a lot of people. How can I get to know any of these people? You can't get to know people well in a large crowd like this on a Sunday morning. It's just tricky. I mean, obviously there's coffee after, there's opportunities to introduce yourself to people, but it's kind of slow. 
And how do you get past that superficial kind of, hi, my name is, and then you forget the name the next week, right? And then you feel embarrassed. And it happens to all of us. Uh, so we, we know that. So it's not, so Sunday morning is good, but it's not all there is. And so at Granville Chapel, we have ta-da, community groups. We have a new brochure today. It, you, uh, if you smell it, it's, it's newly printed. Amazing, amazing. And we've gone around all our community group leaders, uh, and we've tried to get their details, and we have most of them on here, I think. Uh, I, I wouldn't say all, but we're pretty close. We can always reprint it when, uh, when new ones kind of emerge or admit they are meeting. But we have a whole collection of community groups that are meeting, and these meet at various kind of intervals. Some meet weekly, some meet bi-weekly, some, some meet monthly, and some meet occasionally. It's not about frequency of meeting, essentially, but it is about meeting because when we meet, we are known and we know. And we want to be known, right? We, we want people to know who we are, just as we need to know who other people are. And out of that knowing comes a fellowship. And what we say around our community groups and what we, we invite all our community group leaders to uh, line up with is this sense of up, in, and out. That all our groups should have, in an ideal world, some kind of connection to Jesus, some kind of connection to each other, and some kind of connection to mission beyond ourselves. Because it's the mission beyond ourselves that actually makes us need God's presence. And it's God's presence that helps us to understand that we need each other. And so there's a kind of virtuous circle when we get those three things uh, happening as we gather in a group. Well, enough of me rabbiting on. Uh, here's Neil. Neil Rogers is our community group's intern for a second year running. And Neil is going to do a short interview now with some community group leaders. Neil, welcome. Have a microphone. Have, have two, in fact. Thank you. Have Thank a you. chair or a stool. Thank you. One, two, three, four. There we go. Um, if uh, Pauline and Heather and Eric could come up, that would be great. And you know when you were at school and they took that photograph with the old camera that sort of did this? And there was that naughty boy who ran across from one side to the other and appeared in several papers, places on the photo. That's David Morgan. I had, this, I had this community group brochure already, and he's crept in in five places. <laughs> Incredible. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 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 Uh, what are we doing here? We're talking about community groups. Tell us the name of your community group when you meet. All right. Um, my name is Pauline, and uh, I belong to uh, Dunbar Community Group. Uh, me and my husband, Jerry, are the host, and we meet every Thursday evening. Hi, my name is Heather, and I'm part of Eveningside, which meets weekly on Wednesday evenings for women only, uh, 7 to 9 p.m. at my place. Yeah, Heather said, I can come if I wear a kilt and a wig. <laughs> Eric? My name is Eric. I'm part of the, we've called the Sojourners Community Group. Um, we meet weekly, Thursdays now, 6.30. Um, it's working age, young adults, 
roughly we're trying to look at living out our lives, living out our faith uh, in our workplaces. Okay, and you call yourself sojourners or sojourners. That's about as clear as fetters and Ebenezer. Can you so we have a logo, a it's, it's two penguins holding hands and walking together <laughs> into life. <laughs> You'll have to ask my wife. Right. Uh, two penguins. Fantastic. Um, give me the highlight of this last year in your home group, in your community group. What's been the best thing? Best thing, well, there's so many things, but the best thing is definitely is the, the people in my group and all the dessert that they bring along. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always feel that um, beside my family of four, I always have a big extended family of probably, what, 12 to 15 people. And um, even though we're all from different culture, background, but every week, these group of my family will commit to come, and uh, we have fellowship, we study God's word. We, even though, just like Andy always mentioned, we're all broken, but we all love Jesus, and we want to know God more by studying his word. And uh, we'll share and pray together, and that is my highlight. Excellent. Thank you. Heather? Hmm. Um, I had a few, actually. Um, one is just getting to know other women at a deeper level that I might not normally connect with. And there are so many amazing women here at Granville. And actually that can include women who don't attend Granville. We have one who goes to another church, but this just works for her schedule. So we, we snuck her in. But she's amazing too. The whole point of a community group is that it reaches out and gathers in. Uh, so that's perfect. Good. And another thing is just the encouragement and support that we can have together from sharing and mm. sharing or just laughing together, sometimes crying together, uh, talking about what we're going through or what we've been through. And another thing is just serving together in various ways, uh, like preparing a meal for Alpha. And Eric, in your birding group with the penguins... There is a birding group, We haven't group, actually isn't there? seen There's any penguins. You, oh, you haven't seen any penguins. No, okay, right. What, what's been a highlight for you this past year? Yeah, well, I think I can confidently say that God speaks through everybody and acts through everybody that's in the group. Um, we're not super centrally led. In fact, two of the members in the group um, that are kind of the core organizers are absent half the time due to shift work. So, so I mean, we're, we're meeting at different houses on a rotating basis. Um, so a highlight of the group is when these people don't turn up. <laughs> we love them all. They're just not always there. Okay. Um, but, but it means that we've been meeting at different houses on a rotating basis, and essentially everybody in the group stepped up to host, uh, to lead us in Bible study, uh, and to reach out. Like, there's a lot of servant-hearted people in the group. Um, mm -hmm. In the last session of Alpha, um, we weren't even here. Again, my wife and I, we were away, but the rest of the group really stepped up to the plate, um, cooking and working behind the scenes and stuff for the Alpha. We're ready to do it again, to cook some meals, so come knock on our doors if you can find us. So as you look for this coming year, um, what, what are you looking forward to? What's, what, what sort of gets you going about your group? Oh, the food, still the food. It's the food, right. <laughs> you, you cook a meal every week and people come. Okay. That's great. All right. And Heather, turn that into something spiritual for us. 
Well, we actually don't have food at our group. <laughs> but but it often shows up somehow. Yeah, it often yes. shows up. Okay. Thanks, is Melanie. <laughs> is there something particularly that you're looking forward to? Oh, for sure, actually. Uh, so studying God's word, his mm -hmm. truth together, and not just for mere head knowledge, but for the life-changing work it does in our hearts and mm. just seeing and watching transformation happen. And the other thing would be uh, pretty much every week we pray in small mm. groups, and mm. so seeing amazing answers to prayer over mm. throughout years of prayer, it's, that's been for sure one of the biggest things for me. Yeah, Thank you. amen. Uh, for myself, probably for my group, I think just like the sermon says, stand, standing firm and holding fast, um, I guess is more effective and easier for me uh, because it's, it's very hard to do it alone sometimes, but do it together is definitely um, the thing that I'm looking forward to. And as a host, I have a privilege to say goodbye to my member. Mm. And um, many times when they get here after a long day, they're tired. But when they leave, when I say goodbye, after two hours of focusing back to God and uh, praying for ourselves, I always see the joy, the strength, and the peace in their eyes when they walk away. Lovely. Thanks. Just a show of hands. If you're in a community group, can you just sort of do a wave? If you, great. If you're not, and you'd like to be, grab one of these guys afterwards or come and see me. Uh, you may even end up running one. Um, Alternatively, David has now got five groups that he's, he's, uh, he's, he's now leading. Uh, but get hold of one of these from the uh, Connect Point. See which one is most appropriate for you. Uh, there are contact details there. And if, if you're having difficulty, contact me and uh, we'll try and get you into a community group. And while I'm on new things that are coming up, Lucy, Mission Explored. Mission Explored is about to start on October the 5th. It's an opportunity to look at cross-cultural mission. Some of the biggest journeys you will ever make are the 20 yards from your front door to your next-door neighbors. Or maybe you're called to Kabul or Phnom Penh or Port-au-Prince or somewhere else. Uh, mission Explored will be looking at all those opportunities. It'll be looking at the history of mission. It'll be looking at uh, the nature of mission, God's heart for the nations. What else will we be doing? Um, we will be hearing stories of mission. So there are a lot of people in this congregation who have been involved in mission in some way or other. And uh, one of the things we like to include in the course is, is the opportunity to hear those stories and to learn from their experience. So we look forward to hearing from people who are a bit older and greyer like us and people who are younger and full of life um, who've been away on mission in some way. Um, and we aim in this course to, to learn from those experiences and to think about how it applies here and now um, in Vancouver or maybe in some other part of the world. Um, so it's part of the, the whole small group structure because it's not a, it's not a course that's all taught from the front. It's a course where we're in groups together, learning together in groups. Um, it's not scary. We aim to make it fun and interesting. Um, we aim to look at what the Bible teaches about mission. We aim to look at how the story of Christianity spread across the world. And then we aim to look at some of the challenges as well as the opportunities that uh, we face as we take the good news of the gospel 
and throughout the world. Yes, it will be fun and it will be interesting. <laughs> it's one Saturday morning a month, October through to June. And uh, this is an opportunity for, within this congregation, generation to speak to generation about the great things that God has done in his world. Thank you, Andy. So you can sign up at the Connect Point and pick up a leaflet if you want all the dates, or Neil has a sign-up sheet with him as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Neil and team, for uh, just to kind of opening up that uh, area of our church life to, uh, to everyone there. Um, I just want to finish with a, uh, just a, a, a shout out to the third level of group that we have. So we've talked about the gathering here on a Sunday morning, all these community groups that gather, and then the final one we have are DNA groups. DNA groups are smaller groups. They can come out of a community group, or they can be just a gathering of random people who recognize a need for some accountability in their life, or perhaps some friendship in their life, uh, and for somebody who can uh, get to know them really well. Community groups are good for getting to know people well, but DNA groups are better because they're more focused, they're an opportunity to really talk. Uh, we have a few DNA groups, and we would like to encourage put more people to get into them, uh, pick up one of these brochures if you want to know more about them. Uh, they're at the Connect Point too. Uh, and uh, look around. Who's in your world uh, here that uh, you might think, oh, I, I'd like to get together with that guy and that guy or with that woman and that woman and that woman if you're a woman and, and, and work it out so that you can meet together. Our group meets on a Saturday morning. Uh, White Spot has benefited from uh, our... Uh, our, our breakfast uh, cash uh, many months in a row, and uh, we, we, we meet and we, we hear from each other and we pray for each other and we support each other, and it's a good thing. So I'm just putting that out there uh, as, as one further level. Again, you don't have to be part of every community group. Pick one. Try it till Christmas. Try a DNA group till Christmas if you're not in one yet, uh, and just see how that goes for you. We just want people to know each other as part of the body of Christ uh, and to deepen in our relational experience of Jesus. The final part of the passage this morning uh, is Paul speaking to uh, his Thessalonian friends, and he says this, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. That's a lovely wish, if you like. This is what Paul, Paul knows God. He knows the love that exists in the Trinity. They love each other and support each other, and they love the church. And so he wants his Thessalonian friends to benefit and to grow from the love and the encouragement and the hope that exist in God the Father. And uh, wouldn't it be great if this season at Granville, our community groups would all be expressions uh, that enable us uh, to encourage our hearts together and strengthen us in every good deed and word. 
I'm hopeful for this church because I know there's lots of life uh, in these groups and there's lots of opportunity to pray and encounter Jesus in them. May that be our experience as we head into the fall. Let me pray for us in that regard. Father God, here we are. We are your people. Thank you for these ways we have found to gather, uh, the ways that you have called us together to be the body of Christ in this place, to be your community uh, here in Vancouver. Lord, thank you for good stories that come out of community groups. Thank you for great food, uh, for good uh, experiences of joy and laughter. Uh, also, for those uh, opportunities that get presented to walk with each other in our pain uh, and in the difficult things that come into all our lives at different times. Lord, would you, by your Spirit, uh, lead us together forward uh, into all that you have for us this fall. And may we know the joy of meeting together and gathering together in fresh ways. And we pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. David, I'm going to invite you and the team to come up, and this is the moment in our service where our prayer ministry team uh, is invited to come up. They'll be available at the front here. If for any reason you would like to be prayed for this morning, this is an opportunity for the body of Christ to minister to the body of Christ. Uh, if you have joy, if you have sorrow, uh, whatever it is, come and receive prayer this morning uh, because God wants to encourage and strengthen you. Uh, and here is an opportunity to receive that as we worship together. David. I invite you to stand and we'll respond in worship. Hmm. I'm just going to read. Um, last year we, we did a study through Revelation and, and one of the parts in Revelation. In Revelation 4 is this picture of the throne room. Um, so I'm just going to uh, read this um, image that was given of, of the throne room, and I encourage us to uh, enter in on this worship that is going on for all ages as we sing holy, holy, holy. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So, Lord, as we uh, continue to learn and continue to grow and, and this year as you shape us and uh, draw us into life, uh, more fully with you, life where we more fully love those around us. Lord, help us to worship. Lord, we fall down at your feet. We bring you all the things on our hearts, on our minds, all the things going into this fall, and we lay all of it at your feet. And we sing, holy, holy, holy are you, God. 
holy, holy, holy. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Amen. We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. Sing that again. We fall down. We fall down. We lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And we Feet of Jesus, so we cry. 